Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Uh, Good morning. Yeah. Um, If you noticed, uh, the video announcements talked about all of us with our state line, for the state line shirts. I just want to reiterate what Tiffany Webb and those guys are doing with this great ministry. Uh, We have a garden that we're planting right here on our grounds. The food from that, yeah, the food from that is going to go to feed the needy and the hungry in our area. And if you buy a t-shirt today, that's going to also go to help support those families and those who are in need in the state line area. So happy to report uh, that Saturday sales were just off the charts. And so I told them that I would encourage our services to let's sell them shirts out and let's continue the work of Jesus in the state line area. Can I count on you? Amen. We're going to do it. Awesome. Awesome. So excited about that. Um, Second thing I wanted to do is, for those of you guys who haven't been hanging out with us for the last few weeks, Dave has us in this crazy series where we're dealing with all of these different type of generations. Say generations. Yeah, all these different generations. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking as I was listening the last couple of weeks, I wonder if there's some folk here who they like absolutely have no idea what generation they belong to? You don't know if you're an Xer, a Yer, or Zer, a Millennial. You you don't know. You don't know if that's you. Raise your hand if you just a little bit unclear. See, I knew some of y'all was here, and so my job today is to at least make sure you know whether you are or are not a part of Generation X. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. And in the spirit of David Letterman, yeah, and Stephen Colbert, I created our own top 10 list for y'all, all right? And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want to present to you the top 10 ways you know whether or not you are a Generation Xer. Are you ready? The number 10 way you know if you're a Generation Xer is if you're class, in your class picture, you are wearing an IZOD shirt with the collar up, and then you probably know you're a Gen Xer. All right. The number nine way you know is if you remember the premiere of MTV. In fact, you remember Friday night videos before the days of MTV. How many of y'all remember Friday night videos on NBC? I used to watch that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Number eight way you know you're a Generation Xer is if you remember with pain the sad day when the green machine hit the streets and made our old big wheel obsolete. I still remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. Number seven. You're a Gen Xer if three words, Atari and television and Coleco, sound familiar to you. You want to tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are a Gen Xer, number six. If you ever dressed to emulate a person you saw in either a Duran Duran, Madonna, or Cindy Lauper video, I knew some of y'all would be in here. I knew some of y'all would be in here. Number five, you are a Gen Xer if you know by heart any Weird Al Yankovic song. Yeah, yeah. Let's try it. Just eat it, eat it, sing, don't you make me eat it. A few of y'all, a few of y'all, a few of y'all. Okay, all right. Number four, you are a Gen Xer. If you honestly remember when film critics raved that no movie could ever possibly get better special effects than those in the movie Trine. Y'all remember that? They went on and on about that movie. All right, we're down to the top three. 
You are a Gen Xer. Number three, if you ever had a crush on either Ted the photographer on the love boat, Gaze from Emergency, Ponch the motorcycle cop from Chips, Chrissy from Three's Company, or Daisy from the Dukes of Hazzard, raise your hand because I know you're in here. Yeah, yeah. Like half the room, uh-huh. All right. Here go the top two. The top two ways you know you're a Gen Xer. Number two, if Schoolhouse Rock played a huge part in how you actually learned the English language. Saved my life. Yeah. Come on, y'all know this. Conjunction, junction, sing. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Right, right. And the number one way you know you are a Gen Xer is if at some point in time in the 80s, your hair became something which can only be described by the phrase, I was experimenting. I don't know what the heck I was doing. I don't know what I was doing. What was I thinking? Right? Yeah. Somebody pointing at their husband's head right now like this dude right here. Hey, guys, clap it up for the top 10 list. And while you're clapping, can you give it up for the greatest pastor on the planet, Pastor Dave Clark? My brother. That's my dog. I love him. Hey, listen, if this is your first time or your first time in a long time, Dave has us in this amazing series called Belong. Somebody say Belong. Yeah, and the reason that the preaching team decided to call this particular series Belong is because we have a multi-generational church. And we want everybody here to know that God sees you, that he loves you, and that he has you in the right place at the right time with a church family who is very sensitive to who you are, where you're from, and what the Lord would say to you based upon your generation. Amen? And so two weeks ago, Dave started us off with this series. He was talking about the builder generation, the greatest generation of our era. These are the guys that built our roads and our skyscrapers and our bridges and all of those different infrastructures that we still enjoy to this day. And then last week, he talked about the boomer generation, the baby boom generation, right? The generation where he's from. Right? And so this week, I get an opportunity to talk about my generation, Generation X. And so, uh, and, and if I talk about my crush, and my wife is here, but man, I saw The Last Dragon in 1985, and I saw Vanity, woo, woo. And you know, when you're a young teenage boy, you think you want Vanity. But then God hooks you up with the Venus that I have. So I'm pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's how you fix it. That's how you fix it. Yeah, that's how you fix it. Yeah, yeah. And so fun facts about Generation X. Somebody say Generation X. Just to give you some definition and help give you some clarity. If you are a part of Generation X, that means you were born between the early 1960s and the early 1980s. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay. So you fall into that Generation X category. By, by, by today, we learned there are over 50 million Gen Xers in the United States. Now, Dave talked about the builder generation and the baby boom generation. Generation X church is sometimes nicknamed as the baby buster generation. It's true. We're called baby busters because in 1957, the boom began to die down, and that was helped in large part by the Food and Drug Administration uh, approving uh, oral contraceptives in 1960. And by 1965, everybody, 6.5 million women were officially on the pill. 
And then several years later in 1973, that famous verdict, Roe versus Wade, was passed down uh, by the Supreme Court that made abortion illegal, uh, made abortion legal, which of course, hence the nickname Baby Buster Generation. Some of the other things about Generation X you need to know is Generation X, uh, contrary to the generation before us, was a highly educated generation. 60%, say 60%, 60% of Generation Xers attended some level of college or university during their lifetime in Generation X. Uh, generation X also grew up without segregation, without segregation. And so we grew up watching and loving shows like Different Strokes and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and the Jeffersons, yeah. These cultural uh, images contributed to a generation that is more accepting and inclusive of others, right? Generation X has long embraced diversity, and moreover, hip-hop, say hip-hop, is widely recognized as the music born from Generation X. I thought about having Josh do some vanilla ice, you know, ice, ice, baby. (laughs) But then... I was like, that may be a little bit too much. We need some more time to work on the moves. And yeah, 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 yeah. And so we also pride ourselves on being individualistic, individualistic, which I personally believe everybody greatly contributed to the breakdown of the family. From the late 60s to the early 70s, divorce rates in the United States doubled. And in addition, between 69 and 96, the number of working mothers in the workforce also doubled. And so consequently, what we had with Generation X was a generation of a bunch of latchkey kids coming home from school to empty houses. If you are a latchkey kid, let me see your hands in the air. Several of you, several of you had that experience. Yep, yep. Last thing I want to say about Generation X is Generation Xers historically distrust authority and large institutions, including large corporations, watch this, religious organizations, and the government. Uh, In the workplace, Gen Xers want freedom coupled with responsibility, and we hate being micromanaged. The following is a list of historical events that occurred during Generation X coming of age, which contributed to our disdain for authority. One of the things we have is the energy crisis of the 70s. We had Watergate with President Nixon. We had the Iran-Contra situation of the 80s. We had the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. We had widespread layoffs of the 1980s, the dot-com boom and bust of the 1990s. This was a big one, corporate greed. This is another big one, publicized molestation and sexual misconduct in the church from elders, pastors, and priests. And then, of course, one of the major ones was the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal. All of these things helped shape our generation. And so as I researched all of this and put this together for you guys this morning, I have four kind of sum up principles that to me sum up the Generation X uh, era. And our generation, we're highly educated, intelligent people. We have a bend toward independence. We have a strong mistrust of authority, and we dislike micromanagement. Now, some of you on the surface may be saying, okay, you know, those are not horrible traits. Uh, The thing is, though, these qualities can be very dangerous when factored into submitting and obeying the will of an omniscient, all-seeing, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful God. Yeah. 
And, and the character that I want to introduce for you guys today is, a, is, is very familiarly linked to some of these lists that I just provided for you. It's a guy by the name of Jonah. Say Jonah. Yeah, Jonah, everybody could have been a Gen Xer. I'm going to show you in Scripture in Jonah chapter 1 if you read along with me. The New Living Translation in verse 1 says that the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. He said in verse 2, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3, but, somebody say but. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. Somebody say opposite direction. To get away from the Lord, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord. Somebody say escape from the Lord. By sailing to Tarshish. Now, church, here's Jonah. Jonah was considered a prophet of the Lord. And since he was considered a prophet of the Lord, we got to assume that he'd been spending some time walking with the Lord. And here's the Lord speaking directly to Jonah, gave him a simple but specific assignment. And when Jonah was giving a basic, simple, but specific assignment from the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the boss of all bosses, what did Jonah do with that simple but specific assignment? He overthunk it. And that's what intelligent, educated people do. Have you ever hooked up with an educated, intelligent folk and you, and you gave them a specific assignment or you was with them and they was given a specific assignment and they just overthunk the thing? That's what educated people do. They take simple stuff and make it complicated. Y'all know some folk like that? You give them a specific, simple assignment. I want you to go to Dunkin' Donuts, get a dozen donuts for the 8 o'clock staff meeting. And an educated person will take that simple assignment and overthink the thing. Well, you know, uh, that's a great idea, but you know, Becky, she doesn't like donuts. She likes bagels. So maybe we should get some bagels as one of the donuts. And maybe we shouldn't just go to Dunkin' Donuts. We should go to that crack house, the crack house. You know, Starbucks, the crack house. Yeah, we should go to the crack house and get some, get some of that coffee as well. And also, maybe we get some, some kumquats to go with the donuts and the bagels. Just, just, just overthinking the thing. It's a simple assignment. Right? And that's what Jonah did. Hey, God, that sounds good, but what about if we do this plan? Or what about if we do that plan? Or I got a better plan. One or two people. Right? That's what educated, intelligent people do. They overthink stuff. Here's what Jonah was doing. God said, go to Nineveh. Somebody say Nineveh. Nineveh. What's the big deal about Nineveh? Let me give you some fun facts on Nineveh. Nineveh, everybody, was called the capital. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian kingdom which is now, everybody, modern-day Iraq. Nineveh is now Iraq. Some of you today may be saying, well, Ray, why did Jonah overthink this thing? What was his big deal about just following God's assignment and going to Nineveh? Uh, Why did he choose to go to the port of Joppa to jump on a ship, leaving for Tarshish? Somebody say Tarshish. Yeah, and Tarshish, oh, by the way, was 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of where God was telling him to go to Nineveh. 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. He was literally going to the farthest spot possible he could to get away from God in this assignment. And you may ask, why was he doing that? Great question. I'm glad you asked. And the answer to the question is, Jonah didn't like them folk. He didn't like them. Let me tell you why he didn't like them. He didn't like them because Assyria, everybody, was an idolatrous 
proud and ruthless generation. They were bent on world domination, and they had long viewed Israel as a threat to their overall world order. And so it would be like, if I can bring it to the 2019 vernacular, it would be like God saying to us, by the way, how many of you all celebrated Mother's Day with your moms and your wives this last uh, Sunday? Did you have a good time? My mama is 72 years old. I wonder how many of you all have elderly mothers? You have elderly mothers, all right? right? And for those of you who have elderly mothers, like I have an elderly mother, it would be like a strange man running up to you and standing next to your mama on Mother's Day, smiling in your face, then looks at your mama, smacks your mama and knocks her down, then runs away before you can do anything about it. And you find out that this dude just didn't have a vendetta vendetta against your mama, but he had a vendetta against mamas all over the region and was smacking mama. He was the mama smacker of the region, all right? And, 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 And the guy actually gets caught by the police. And while you're at home watching the Sunday night news, you discover that this guy got apprehended. And while you're watching this guy being apprehended, the Lord speaks to you. I said this today, Saturday night because this mama's 87, and it will be like God saying, I want you to go ahead and go post bail for this mama smacker. <laughs> Dave looked at me like, yeah. right? I mean, that was basically what God was saying to, to Jonah to do, right? And Jonah said to himself, uh, that, that's not intelligent. That makes no sense. I don't understand. Why in the world would you have me do this? God, you obviously got too much workload up there in heaven. So I need to make an executive decision. I got a better plan. Let me do something independent of what you're asking me to do. And some of y'all was laughing, but how many times have we found ourselves in that same situation where you know God has asked you to do something for somebody that you know don't like you, has hurt you, or hurt somebody you loved? One or two of y'all in the room. Yeah, yeah. You, You got an employer who you work for, that purposely abuses you, gives you overwork, gives you more work than necessary, asks you to stay late all the time, abusing his authority that he has over you because he knows you can't do anything about it. Or you got a coworker that's spreading lies and rumors about you because secretly they want the promotion that you're after or they want that increase that you're in line for. Or you got a family member who who sees God's blessing on your life, who sees what God is doing great because you decided to make a change for him. And they are bent on tearing you down and destroying you. And God at the same time while all this stuff is happening is saying, you know what? Bless them. Help them. Pray for them and not pray for them on the side by yourself, but walk up to them, grab their hand, and pray for them. The same dude that, if he could, smacked your mama. And you like, what? Why would you ask me to do that, God? I don't get it. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. And church, can I make this statement? Faith and trust is unnecessary if you can always see it and understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with your heart. Lean unto your own. Because it's not always up to us and for us to understand. It's about whether we hear and whether we obey, despite what kind of sense it makes to us. Yeah, he says, watch this, in all your ways, submit to, yeah, I just cussed in church, submit 
right? That means lay down your thoughts and your agenda and follow his. And if we do that, watch this. He will make your paths. But here's the deal, 1030. We won't walk in faith. We won't walk in trust. And we won't submit until we embrace the idea that even though we may be able to see some things, we don't see it all. And, and, and you may be here today and you've been saying, well, Ray, yeah, that's me. I, I, I'm educated. And I got some accolades after my name. And you might be a part of that 60% I was talking about earlier that's, that's, that, that's going to college and going to university. And you may have graduated with a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and a doctorate degree. Yeah, you may have graduated cum laude, magna cum laude, summa cum laude. Or maybe you just like me and you graduated, thank you, Lordy. Because at the end of the day, hey, I may have got some degrees behind my name, but I don't see it all. Yeah, I may have some, some smarts, but I don't know it all. But I thank God today. I'm grateful I got a God who holds it all in the palm of his hand. Yeah. And just like Jonah, if we don't embrace this idea and we lean on our own understanding and we lean on our own opinion, and we lean on what we see and what we believe and what we think, what will happen is we'll do just like Jonah did, and we'll run from our calling for my note takers. Number one, say run from my calling. Yeah, yeah. Look at what happened in Jonah chapter 3, verse, Jonah chapter 1, verse 3b. He says, he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Now, you know, earlier I gave our generation credit for being the educated, intelligent generation. But as I was thinking about this church, uh, how educated and intelligent could you be if you actually think you can run from God? How are you going to run from God? He God. Where are you going to run from that he can't catch you? And where are you going to hide from that he can't see you? I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like to play hide and seek with Jesus when he was a kid? You want to play hide and seek with Jesus? Oh, my God. Jesus will never find me here. Found you. Oh, dang. I quit. Jesus always finding me. Right? How are you going to hide from Jesus? Right? I knew y'all would get that. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. It says, he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Watch this. Look at verse 4. It says, but the enemy hurled a powerful wind over the sea. Is that what it say? No. No. Uh, But my haters and my instigators, because you know they hate to see a brother come up, always throwing salt on the brother. You know, I'm trying to get to where God got me, but my haters get in. Is that what that say? No. No. It says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that's happening right now, uh, (laughs) that threatened to break the ship apart. And everybody, I say that to say, sometimes, church, we want to blame everybody and everything for why we're not where we want to be and what's not happening in our life, or why this drama is going on. And could it be, church, that some of the difficulty that we're facing at work and at home 
and in our marriage and in our romantic relationships and with our children? Could it be some of the drama that we're facing uh, is because in some area, in some area of our life, we're running from God and he has hurled this storm into our life, not to punish us, not to pulverize us, but to push us right back into his presence? Yeah, yeah, that was for free. That was for free. That was for free. Yeah, yeah. Let me get back to this scripture. Verse 7 says, Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lot identified Jonah as the culprit. Verse 8, Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded? Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? It was interrogating Jonah, right? Yeah, verse 9 says, Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. The God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Verse 10 says, And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. And listen, I don't know who you are today, this morning. I don't know what season of life that you're in. But can I say this to you very sincerely from my own experience? This is from my own experience. It is much better to do things God's way versus our own way. We'll try this side. In my own experience, it is much better to do things God's way versus our own way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, 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 let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Now, you guys know I'm the new guy on staff. I've been here about six weeks. I've been working very closely with Pastor Dave. And, you know, it's one thing to have an admiration for somebody when you're only kind of with them in passing occasionally. But now I'm, like, working with them, like, daily. And it's cool because what I'm learning about Pastor Dave, in case y'all didn't know, is Pastor Dave, y'all, he prays about everything. I mean... Everything. Pray about everything. Right? Now, I mean, hey, after church Sunday, man, we're going to lunch. Where you want to go? Oh, wait a minute. Let's pray. Father McDonald's. <laughs> Father Wendy's. Father Cracker Barrel. God, would you just lead us into where we will find sustenance for our body? One time I walked into work, babe. Dave was standing in the hallway. I said, Dave, what you doing? He said, well, I got to go to the bathroom. And, you know, we got like 10 bathrooms in this building. And I'm just praying that God lead me to the right bathroom to go. Father, is it the one across the hall? God in the prayer room. Lord, should I go to the bathroom in the men's locker room? Where, oh God, oh where, will I find rest and relief for my body and my soul? I said, Dave, it's the bathroom, bruh. Yeah. Listen, I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. A little bit, but in all seriousness, uh, what I've learned by watching Dave and hanging out with him these last six weeks is he teaches me through watching him is that, you know, Ray, I I can make a whole lot of decisions for myself. And those decisions, uh, they look good to me. They feel good to me. They may even work out for me in the short run. But what I understand is that in the long run, whatever God's will is, is ultimately going to happen. Whether I choose it or not, 
And so because I know that, at the end of the day, wherever God wants me to be, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to be with anybody unless God says yes, unless God opens the door, unless God says go. Because bottom line, if he ain't there, I don't want to be there. Yeah. And where he is is where I find my most rest, my most peace, and my most sanctity. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Look at verse 11. It says, it says, and since the storm was getting worse, somebody say getting worse, all the time they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Verse 12, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it'll become calm again. And then the sailor said, wait, didn't you just say your God is one that's causing this storm? And didn't you just say that your God is the master of the land and the sea? And didn't you just say uh, that, you know, he is the God of all gods? And if we throw you into the sea that he created, don't you think that'll tick him off even more than what he already has ticked off? You slow. And so in verse 13, it says, instead, somebody say instead, the sailors rode even harder. To get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. And as I was studying this part, I want to say this to all of the men here today because men, uh, I think sometimes as men, we struggle with this idea of salvation and being saved because salvation for us, uh, it's very, very, uh, it's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive for men because for men, you know, we're used to, okay, if you do certain things, then you're going to get certain things. So like guys like myself who's really into sports and athletics and, and, and strength training and all that stuff, well, I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger. So in order to do that, man, I got to spend time in the weight room and I got to get them push-ups in on the side. And if I do the work and if I do the extra work, then I'm going to get bigger and I'm going to get stronger, right? And if you're a man and you want to improve your family situation financially, well, what does that mean? That means, well, if I work more and I produce more, then eventually I'm going to make more, right? So it's like what you do is a direct reflection of what you get. But here's the deal. With salvation, it don't work that way. Because the harder you work, the more you figure out that, man, I, I can't work hard enough to get to where I need to be. And I can't earn my way to get to where I want to be. And so Jonah says, hey, guys, listen, I, I see you trying to work your way to save yourself, but you can't save yourself in this storm. So here, here's what I got to do. I'm going to volunteer. I volunteer to sacrifice myself so that all of you guys will be saved. Are y'all seeing Jesus? Yeah, see, Jonah is a type of Christ. And see, when you understand, men, uh, that at the end of the day, we were born in a stormy situation called sin. And no amount of work, no amount of effort, no amount of earning that we could do could save us from the sin that we were born in. And so Jesus had to show up and say, hey, listen, I volunteer. Amen. I volunteer uh, to sacrifice myself so that you can be saved from this stormy situation of sin that you find yourself in, that you can't work out, that you can't pay out, that you can't earn out. And I don't know about anybody else in the room, but I'm so glad we got a Jesus that volunteered to pay the price that we couldn't pay and do the work that we couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. 
the best thing Jonah did was he recognized that he was out of position. And once he recognized he was out of position, church, he embraced that and said, hey, listen, I take responsibility. I'm going to sacrifice myself and get you guys out of this situation. He recognized, number one, he was running from his calling. And once we recognize, church, uh, that we're out of position, Jesus gives us the opportunity to, number two, uh, repent for our choices. Somebody say repent for our choices. Look at verse 15. It says, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. It's amazing, church, how... uh, when we recognize we're out of alignment and we say, okay, I need to get myself back in alignment, how some of those self-imposed storms in our life will stop at, that was just for free too. That was for free too. Yeah. Look at verse 17. He says, he says, watch this. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside of the fish for three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of this fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. And church, if there's anything about Generation X that this generation promotes, this generation promotes independence apart from God. Have y'all picked that up in what we've been discussing? It promotes independence, do your thing apart from God. And so this, this generation promotes, hey, educate yourself. Be an independent thinker. If you want it, if you want it bad enough, do what you got to do to get it. Whatever it takes. You know, I see it. I want it. I like it. I can't. Right, right. That's for the kids. That's for the kids. Y'all don't know about that. That's for the kids. Yeah, yeah. But here's the problem. Where does that thinking leave Jesus to be Lord over our lives when clearly our will is more important than his will for us? No amens right there, but I'm going to keep preaching. Yeah. It says, says, watch this. Whenever we decide to do anything apart from God's will for our life, we're walking in disobedience. And disobedience, church, brings pain and discomfort. Jonah describes his three days in the belly of that whale as uncomfortable, right? You remember what he said? He said, he said, he said, he said, watch this. I call out to the Lord out of my what? Distress. Out of the belly of where? Sheol. Somebody say Sheol. Yeah, yeah. That word Sheol in the Hebrew, everybody, means underworld. That word Sheol in the Hebrew literally means dark, gloomy, and without return. That word Sheol, there's another definition in another translation of the Bible. It literally means deep in the realm of the dead. And I don't know about y'all, but I've made some decisions independent of Jesus. I've made some choices that I didn't pray about, that I didn't seek godly counsel about. And those choices have resulted in me feeling like I'm about to be buried and suffocated under the weight and the pressure of those choices that I've made. Yeah, a few of y'all like with me. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know about y'all, but I am so grateful today that we get a God that's even Lord of our poor decisions. 
Isn't it good to know that no matter where we go or what we do, we got a God that's willing to pursue us and be with us. That even our bad choices, church, aren't bad enough for him to leave us behind. Yeah, we may run away from him for a time, but isn't it great to know that he never runs away from us. He pursues us, he chases us, and he grabs us, implores us to come back to him. Yeah. Jonah did that. And in verse 10, the Bible says, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited. Say vomited. Yeah. Jonah out upon the dry land. Somebody say ill. I don't know about y'all, but I don't like vomit. It's nasty. Right? One time my daughter vomited all over my car. I'm like, really? Why? At least it wasn't me. I received that. Yeah. But here's the deal. When I think about being free from some of the junk that I self-imposed on myself, and I read this passage, I was like, God, vomit me out, spit me out, sneeze me out, cough me out. Lord, just get me out and give me another chance, another chance to please you, another chance to serve you, another chance to witness for you, another chance to obey you, another chance to live for you. Is there anybody here today that's you glad that you don't serve a God of a second chance, you serve a God of another chance? Yeah. Yeah. Because as long as you breathing, as long as you living, as long as you moving, you got another chance. Hallelujah. Yeah. Another chance to repent for our choices. And then finally, because he repented, God gave Jonah the opportunity to reset his commitment. Somebody say reset our commitment. Yeah. Look at Jonah chapter chapter 3, verse 1. I'm closing. He says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Verse 3, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And the people, in verse 5, says the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And as I close, church. You know, the evidence of our commitment to Jesus is the work that we do and the way that we live once, somebody say once, we embrace the work he did and the life he lived. Well, you say, Pastor Ray, what's the work he did and what's the life that he lived? Great question. I'm glad you asked. What Jesus did uh, was he wrapped himself in mortality. He lived a perfect, sinless life died on the cross to pay the penalty that we should have paid, and then rose again from Sheol and the grave, giving us the opportunity to spend eternity with him. That's the work he did, and that's the life he lived for us. And watch this, church. As Christians, we don't work for salvation. We don't work in order to be saved. Because we can't. We talked about that, right? We can't work hard enough. We can't earn high enough, right? And so we don't work for salvation. We work from salvation. The work that we do is in response to the work he did. And so when we serve and when we bless and when we help, 
It is in response to Jesus' great love for us and how he set us free. And to whom much is given, much is required and expected. And that's why we do what we do. Not to try to get us someplace because we're already there because of what Jesus did. Amen? And the proof of that is how we exercise our faith and obedience to him despite how we think, how we feel about it, and how it makes sense to us. Jonah did that, church, and the Bible says that because he was obedient, even though it didn't make sense to him, an entire generation was saved. Just think about that for a minute. And I want you to know, church, that that's our goal here at Central Christian Church. We're not just trying to do church just to have church and be cute and have fun together. Our heart is we want to see an entire generation of people come to know Jesus, and we want to make them known in this state line area. And we know that when we operate in that space, we are operating in alignment with what uh, the Bible teaches us to do, just like it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. This is the last verse of the day. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, say everyone, to come to repentance. That's our heart. And some of you this weekend, maybe you're here because you haven't been here for a while. This is your first time. Or this is your first time in a long time. And maybe this message is hitting you right between the eyes because you've been running. And you know God is calling you to higher. God is calling you to greater. God is creating, calling you to more. And for whatever reason, you've been running from the Lord. Can I reiterate the question and the statement that I made earlier? Where are you going to run to that God can't catch you? And where are you going to hide from that Jesus can't find you? He sees everything and knows everything. I want to encourage you today, if that's you today, I want to encourage you to stop running because you belong right here. You belong here in the house of God. You belong here with the people of God. Yes, baby, you belong here in the presence of God. Can I see him? Can I see him? Yeah, bring him, bring him up here. He act like he want to be up here. Hey, baby. So I want to encourage y'all today with my young priest. If you're here today and you're saying, listen, Ray, yeah, I've been, I've been running. Um, I need to stop running. I want to connect with this church. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to come. We'll, we'll hook you up with a small group. We'll get you plugged in with some of the great things that are going on around here. We'll get you serving. If you want to serve, we want you. Maybe you're saying, Ray, uh, Man, I want to get baptized right now. Me, you, and the baby. Let's just go get baptized. <laughs> Let's do it. If that's you, I want to encourage you guys to come. Say no to your old life and say yes to the life promised by the Savior and Creator of the universe. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful baby. 
God, thank you for all the babies, all of the people here at Central Christian. Lord Jesus, uh, would you capture those folk, those of us who have been running in some area of our life? God, yes, Lord, help us. Mwah. Help us, God, to come back to you. Help us, Lord, uh, to repent of our choices and to reset our commitment to live for you in every way and in every area of our life. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come on this earth just like it is in heaven. I pray that somebody wouldn't wait another minute, but they would come today and surrender their lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray and let all God's people say, amen. Come on if you're coming. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.